McShane Bible Study, day 277, and we are starting in 1 Kings 7, and we see Solomon building his palace, and, uh, you know, I used to think, well, that's outrageous, Solomon spent twice as much time building his house as he did the temple, but it's also, it's, it's the, uh, it's the place where he actually rules the people, right? Mm-hmm. His judgment seat is there, the people would come before him for judgment, so it's actually important part of serving the people and he builds uh his his wife from pharaoh's house and then we see uh hiram from tyre coming and all the temple furnishings being built and they're described in you know pretty good detail and at the end the temple is built and he brings in not only the stuff that he's had built but the things that his father had dedicated to the lord right Mm -hmm. and so we're we're kind of set up for the temple to be, you know, to be ready. And we're in Ephesians 4. And, and, you know, Paul is finishing this incredible thing. So he's been talking about the great truths. And so now he's urging them to walk. He says, look, I'm a prisoner of the Lord for your benefit. So I'm urging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. In other words, God has offered this to you. And it's your choice whether you actually will walk in this new way of life or whether you go your old way of life, right? Callum, Callum. And you know, he says, there's only one way, right? Christ came to bring this. And yes, the Lord lives, the, the Lord gives uh, others to uh, establish this kingdom. So he, he uses apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. That word shepherd is usually translated pastor, but shepherd is the correct word. Um, and so... Which, you know, it's, it's fine as long as you understand. The problem with the word pastor is it's been used for people that standing in front of a thousand or thousands of people. Um, that's It's really not, that's a, a misuse of the word. That person might be an evangelist or a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you're not gonna, you can't shepherd thousands of people. Right, because mm-hmm. you don't have a you're not discipling them. You don't have a personal relationship with them, so it's really a misuse of the word. Um, and says so, you know to equip the saints to build them up. He says until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he says, look, this is the point of what we're for and so he, he says when, when, as as you come into this you're not going to be tossed around by new doctrines that pop up you're not going to be able to be confused by the deceitful and the cunning rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ mm-hmm. so he says we're, we're supposed to be in this process of being transformed, and that leads to a new life. So the, the first part of the chapter was about giving ourselves, actually walking. In other words, 
actually seeking him out on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. right? 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So he says, don't walk the way the world walks. Mm-hmm. And he says, you have a choice. You can choose to seek the Lord, enter the kingdom, or walk the way the world walks. But if you do, your your mind is darkened. You mm-hmm. can't receive the light of God. You mm-hmm. continue to choose confusion. But as you do seek the Lord, you're you're completely refreshed, continually refreshed with new understanding and wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know the love of God, right? Mm-hmm. He says in 22, to put off your old self, to die to your old self, to get rid of your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So he says your mind's continually renewed mm-hmm. into new way of understanding, right? New knowledge, mm-hmm. new wisdom. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So this new life that he's offering us of all the righteousness and holiness of God, he's making us more like him every day, right? As we give ourselves to this process. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And we're in Ezekiel 37, and this is probably one of the two most famous chapters of Ezekiel. Um, 37 is the Valley of the Dry Bones. I think it's 47 is the River of Life. Um, oh, I accidentally read 47 because it sounded like that's what you said. Oh, really? Is that what it was about, River of Life? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so that's interesting, a little bit. Um and it, this has a lot to do with, this McShane guy made an amazing Bible study. Because um, this had a lot to do with what Paul was just talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. So, Paul is just talking about putting off the old man and having this new life, right? Mm-hmm. Here... You know, God shows Ezekiel a valley of dead, dry bones. You know, a bunch mm-hmm. of skeletons laying on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, can they live? And, and Ezekiel says, oh, Lord, only you know that. And he says, yeah, prophecy to him that they'd have life. And so he's, mm-hmm. he's showing, he says, that this is a word for my people. That instead of just being bones, that I'm going to give them new life, Right? Verse 12, therefore prophecy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So he's saying, I will make you my people. You would be filled with my spirit. And we, we will be one together, right? Uh-huh. You know what's funny is uh, Jeremiah, it's Jeremiah 31, 31, actually, is, is the most famous part of the Old Testament to Christians as far as um, 
you know, that, that one says it's roughly something like, I will take out your old heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh and I will, you know, I will put my spirit into you. Uh, so it'll be not, not the law of stone, but the law of the law of the spirit. That's badly, <laughs> bad, yeah, badly quoted, but, uh, it's something like that, right? What's interesting is Ezekiel actually says this more times than Jeremiah does the same concept. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess the turn of phrase used in Jeremiah is better. I don't know why that's more famous. Um, and he says, so, so yeah, he's clearly saying, I will put my spirit within you, right? 19, say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm about to take the stick of Joseph that is in the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel associated with him. And I will join with it the stick of Judah and make them one stick that they may be one in my hand. I think they added that part about all the other tribes. It's true, but I doubt the original is written that way. Anyways, so he's saying one new man, right? Similar thing Paul talks about. Paul often, because it was a world of Jews and, and then they called everybody else Greeks. Um, he was saying God's making one new man, joining the Greek with the Jew to one new man in Christ, right? That's exactly what Ezekiel is saying here hundreds of years earlier. That, But here he's talking about Judah and Ephraim, in other words, Judah and Israel. Uh-huh. But he's saying, I, I will remake all the divisions that people come up with in their lives to separate and go their own way. I'll get rid of all those mm-hmm. and I will have a people that seeks me in my ways and I will put my spirit in them and I will transform them, teach them and establish them. Right? Mm-hmm. 23. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions, but I will save them from all the backslidings in which they have sinned and will cleanse them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Right? So I'll pull them out of their wicked ways of the world and all their backsliding. That, that's always been the way people have gone, right? They come to Christ. They get excited. God blesses them. They start to prosper. Then they turn away from God. And they backslide into worldly ways, right? Mm-hmm. And it says, I will save them from all the backsliding in which they have sinned. And will cleanse them. And they shall be my people. 26 to the end says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. So once again, God making a covenant with his people, as he's done many, many times, right? It's not old covenant, new covenant. There's many, many covenants in scripture. And here he's talking about another one. I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. So the presence of God in his temple, which is who? Jesus. Well, we become his whole temple, right? Oh, yeah. Jesus, yes, because we are the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And and so we have the presence of God in his people, a multiplied people, and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them, right? Mm-hmm. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So he said, it's not about the temple that's in one spot in Jerusalem. It's about my living, moving temple that is all throughout the world in my people, right? Mm-hmm. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Mm-hmm. Right? So 
of course, we are the new Israel, right? It's, it's not to take away from Israel having this very important function. As we see in Romans 9 to 11, it's a very important place in God's plan. But the, the, this speaks to all the people of God, the one new man, both Jew and Greek, right? Mm -hmm. All of us together as one body of Christ in the world, one temple in the world, one family of God in the world. And we are finishing up in Psalm 26 and 27, and you just missed an excellent definition, yeah. <laughs> definition of cross-examination. Oh, this gold should be recorded, huh? <laughs> wow. Okay, so um, Psalm 26, he starts out, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Uh, verse 8 says, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Well, we just talked about that. What's the habitation <clears throat> of his house? Us? Yeah, his people, right? The place where his glory dwells. Where does it dwell? In us? In us, yeah. <clears throat> we, we were just talking about our family devotional yesterday. Like that God is establishing us to be a light in the darkness, right? So that his glory shines so that it's clear and obvious to others, right? 11, but as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. So he says, I will walk in the ways of the Lord. <clears throat> Redeem me and be gracious to me. What Paul was just talking about. Okay, now that you know that this truth, this is your calling, walk in it, right? Well, David lived a lot longer earlier than Paul, but he says, I, I'm going to walk in the ways of the Lord. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, 27. I like this one a lot. It starts out. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He says, I am the Lord's. The Lord is all-powerful, and he loves me, and I am doing my best to follow him. Mm -hmm. Why or how would I be afraid of anything in this world? Right? Mm -hmm. I'm the Lord's. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> verse 8 says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says, you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Which again, mm -hmm. we just talked about this in Ephesians. Um He's saying, you know, your your way is for me to seek you. And Lord, I choose yes. I am going to seek you every day. 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on level path because of my enemies. So Lord, instruct me. I need to grow. I'm not there yet. I need your help. I need to grow. I want to be transformed like you. Teach me your way so that I can walk in your ways and not make mistakes or missteps. And, and not be uh, pulled off track by the enemies, right? Mm -hmm. The enemy will use others around, circumstances or people, to get me off track. Don't let that happen to me, Lord. Let me walk in all your ways, all your wisdom. 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So David knows. He says, look. This is not for afterlife. This is for now. I believe the Lord is going to let me look into who he is, the tr his truth, his wisdom, in far greater ways than I've ever experienced. And mm -hmm. Not after I die, now. And so, Lord, I wait for you. 
right? I wait for this fullness from you, Lord. You have my life. I give it to you and I wait on you. Mm-hmm. Lord, bless us. Help us to always have hearts that seek you, that wait on you, that believe in every great truth in Scripture taking hold for us in our lives in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Bless your holy name in us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. you have anything else? Mm-hmm. No. God bless you. God bless you. Thank <clears throat> you.